Kervin, All right, we'll take a pee break it, yeah. here, Kervin. I'll be right it, back. Yeah. If you, you don't can have hang to stay out, you don't the whole stay. time. You, yeah. you can stay as long as you want or a little. Yeah, I got I got Kervin about ten a... more minutes. I'd love I'd love to stay. All right, um, perfect. I, I, oh yeah. Well then, so let's we not take a pee break. Let's just yeah. let's just, just roll, roll right here yeah, for ten minutes, yeah. and then we're good. And then I was going to say though, real quick, I bet Kervin, being a spy, sorta, but he's got a killer bladder. Oh, you yeah. train that bladder to hold out for a long time. <laughs> you you have to, and I mean, you know what? My my bladder is not what it used to be. I'm I'm like a pregnant woman. Ooh, I'm going every well, three minutes. Happens. That's what happens. <laughs> well, what's uh, what is prep? What's preppers look like for somebody who's been around yeah, the world yeah. and seen shit hit the fan in various places? Like, what is realistic about prepping? Uh, it happened. So we do what ha- what's called the seventy two hour bag, which is just a or it's called a go bag. So you'll set this next to the door. It has 72 hours of supplies, clothes, food, water, all, all that kind of stuff. And so as soon as something were to happen, now the way we used it was because you could be called up at a, at a moment's notice to go out to Africa, Afghanistan, anywhere. And you've got to be ready to go as soon as they, they tell you. You have 30 minutes to get from your bed into the car and then to the, uh, to the airline, to the airfield where your plane's at. And, and so that is one of the initial prepper things, always having that bag ready that, um, if you get it, you can just pick it up, throw it in the trunk. Everything else can stay behind, but you're getting to safety with at least three days worth of like getting a jump on. Like, let's just like, what are the, uh, what are the things that I need to get the jump? Like, I'm here in Seattle. Let's say it's like, okay, well, this is not where we want to be. So we got to go. And if I have my bag, I can beat some traffic out and be ready and just yeah, like and where escaping. Do you, like, like what events would cause me to need to do that? Nuclear. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, besides uh, besides a nuclear event. But um, a lot of it revolves around natural disasters, um, you know, and, and then brush fires. So if you have, and that's mainly in California. So if you've got a fire raging going towards your house, you need to get out of there immediately. Uh, I'm from Louisiana, from southern Louisiana. So hurricanes, a lot of the times, even though you do get sort of days to to identify that that could happen, you want to be the first person on the road. Right. Um, and it's kind of like if you ever heard somebody that says, hey, I'm not worried about a bear or something because I don't have to be the fastest person. I just have to be faster than the slowest person. And so that's what you're trying to do is get out ahead of everybody else and be the first person to safety. Because at that point, um, you're just worried about you and your family. You can, you can get to safety and then formulate a plan. Let's say it is uh, an invasion from a different country. They've come in and, and they're putting troops on the ground. You want to get out and get to safety first and then start formulating your plan of attack for a solution in that. But first thing is safety because if you're dead you can't do anything yeah the people around you are you know gonna like what about the power goes out for like just something happens it's a cyber attack on our power grid and powers out indefinite that's the one that sounds like could happen to me yeah so you i mean first of all it it'll all depend on what kind of transportation you have you know if if the power grid's gone if it's if it is something like a, a munition that has destroyed the entire power grid around you, depending on how close it was, it could have taken the battery out of your car. So now you've got to identify 
okay, now I'm either on a bike or on foot, which, you know, which direction do I need to go to? And you're, you're basically looking for low population zones, you know, places where not a lot of people are, where you can kind of bug out really quickly for a few moments, um, whether that's days or weeks, and formulate what your next course of action is. But what if you just have to live where you live for a couple of months with no power? And, and like the grocery store is empty. Like yeah, in day so, two, I mean. So you're looking at trying, you know, identifying how to forage, uh, being a, becoming a hunter. We're, we're going back to hunter gathering. And uh, you, you've oh. got to identify. So that's, that's basically the sustenance portion. Um, uh, hopefully. Well, if but it's major a, city, you can't. Like the power goes out in a major city, you just can't stay in that major city for a few Man, months. Man, you would just have to go. Right? Like, like you, you'd have to get I, your family and leave. Well, I'd have to know if I thought the power was going to be out for three days or uh, three months. But if you didn't know, you just ha- I think you just had to leave no matter what and then just turn around and come back in three days or something, right? Like, yeah. I think you leave no matter yeah. what in that situation, right? Be ready to take a vacation no matter what. And so the reason I say low population areas is because of the human factor. Mm -hmm. And when that kind of stuff happens, it is complete chaos and everyone is out for themselves and they're just looking to keep themselves alive and they'll do anything to do that. If that, if they see you walking along there, they're going to attack you and try to, to take whatever goods you have, whether that's weapons, food, water, um, clothing, anything that they can do. And, And so when you get into these huge population it densely populated areas like a Seattle, LA, New York. You're talking about millions of people who are all affected in the same way, trying to solve the problem the best way they know how. So the only way you can solve the problem for your family, the best way you know how is to do that with just you and your family. And so you would take, hopefully you have the family that identifies that we need a, the 72 hour bag. We, we need medications already put aside. We, we need water. We need filters for the water, all this kind of stuff that you would, it, I mean, it's basically stuff you would take on a camping trip. If you think of it in that way, that's what you're going to go do. You're going to go camping for three days, a week, four months. Um, I don't think it would go past the month's time, you know, the the electricity being out probably, but you will quickly adapt and find your solution. Um, I just don't know what that solution would look like for each and every person. So it seems like for me, I guess the main thing is just, I, you know, anything that's major, major is probably going to make me want to just try to leave here. Like how far can I, could I get across the country with my family? Or yeah. all the gas stations out in Montana. Like, can, can I get across the state or right. not? Do you know? Like, what do the gas lines look, you know, 80 miles from here when it's go time? Do you know that? How far will I be able to get? Uh, but if I knew yeah. overall and, and got out, at, you know, it depends on the, the severity of the emergency. But if I could, you know, you know what I mean? Just to, I, I think that's the first thing on my mind. Otherwise, it's just enough food to hopefully people aren't breaking in my house if I was here for three weeks and I have enough food and water. Devin and I just eating corn. I'll head y'all's way. Laughing, you know I mean? laughing at your bad decisions. Kervin, what, <laughs> also the thing I was wondering where you live. So you're in DC, right? 
Yeah. DC area. Um, because you said like even with the Ukraine thing, you kind of saw that coming a few months ahead or whatever. What's something like it that what's like the least thing that could happen where you're like, I'm gonna get out of DC right now? Yeah. Like good is question. there you know what I mean? Like what what's uh is there a signal or something you you'd be like, uh oh. Well, I was here for uh January sixth of twenty twenty one, so that didn't get me out. Um I would say, well, did you think that could spill into next level stuff though? You were nervous. Yeah, there was there was some nervousness. Um, you know, I was in my base. I was in my basement just because I was doing work, not because I thought they'd come this far out and and break in. But that was one thing that was identified and it was it was this like oh shit moment of wow, this is really happening. The the capital is being you know ransack with these people that are going in what what else can happen and it kind of localized it and and then got him out and it, it de-escalated fairly quickly i know for those people it seemed like yeah. days went and and they were stuck in there um what what would make me leave dc would be those sort of scenarios of um foreign invasion you know, nuclear, if, if I was getting confirmation that a nuclear launch is suspected to happen, I would definitely get out of DC. If it was just suspected, like if it was just suspected. Yeah. Yeah. And and you would just try to go somewhere where nobody's at as far away from DC as you could get. Yeah. I, I, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to, I was interrupting you there, but I was just going to say, I mean, should I or should I not start digging a bunker? Is that a good idea? I, I think we I mean, are, to have a bunker. I think, think you need um, a bunker. I don't think we need a bunker at, at this time. I don't have <laughs> no one. Bunker. Um, I don't see a need for it. I don't. That would just be for nuclear. That would be mainly. Yeah. Right? And then you have to live in the bunker for a long time, right? If, yeah, then if you it, run out of food. Hit, well, I mean, if you're in a blast zone and you could be in, in, in 30 minutes away from the something and you could survive the first few days until the first wave of radiation goes and then you come out a week later and then go farther away, that's better than being in the top of your house right. for that same week by a good amount. Yeah, definitely. I heard somebody... Yeah, no, sorry. I was just saying. I heard somebody say there's some billionaires buying bunkers. And oh, stuff. they have them. It could just be misinterpreted. The, the billionaires sure have yachts have that could last years if they can just get to them. They already have them right. in the middle of the ocean that they can get to. The billionaires are, stuff. are surviving. They're going to yeah. survive. Oh yeah. yeah. If they can get to their yacht, it's there's years of life there for them in the ocean. And they already have those planned out yeah. fully. Yeah. Oh yeah. Everything's fully planned. Yeah. But you know, they're also, you know, with money comes power. They're also hand in hand with the power players of all these right. different countries. So they're getting this information. You know, your your Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, they are getting all this information and and they understand in a unique way what they need to do. So if they're not really panicking and they're putting out stupid tweets towards Putin and stuff like that. I feel pretty confident we're not on the cusp of of a nuclear attack. Like if nobody's yeah. heard for Elon for like 
three months or seen him anywhere, then you could be worried. <laughs> That's oh, yeah. if it's if he's gone two weeks without a uh, you know yeah. like a trolling tweet to somebody, yeah. I'm going to yeah. start getting worried. He's going to post a picture from outer space, like shooting a bird yeah. or something. <laughs> the uh, I, so this no matter what almost it ends really badly for Zelensky, the Ukraine leader, right? Like, I mean, I, there's no way he isn't maybe like really killed badly. Right. Yeah. I, I, I mean, don't, the, the longer this plays out, the more likely it is that, um, that he's going to be taken out by the Russian military, by, yeah. you know, the Wagner group, which is a Russian mercenary group. Um, the, they already, when the invasion started, that was the first course of action in Kiev was to find Zelensky, kill him, and install a new government. And he was very famously, he was told to by the U.S. to get out. We'll get you out. We'll send a helicopter. You can come to the U.S. and be safe. And he very famously said, no, I'm going to stay and I'm going to fight for my country. Yes. And... and- I mean, there's no way that Ukraine can win, right? Like, is is there any way that Putin backs down? He can't because he'll be killed or he'll he'll look weak, right, or something. Yeah, uh, if he loses and Ukraine comes out victorious, a, a victory is signing a peace deal. Um, if that happens, then Putin is shamed, and Russia is lessened in the eye of the world, and that is not what. That's not what the Russian people want. That's not what Putin wants. So it's, they're going to continue to fight it. And, so, and it's the the more Ukraine wins these battles, the more likely it is that Putin is in the corner and he is he's going to do something that is catastrophic to the entire country of Ukraine. So Zelensky isn't going to isn't going to bail out or hide or just try to save himself. Then, as of if, right if, now, he he seems like he's standing he's standing in it and he he's ready to fight but you know we all get pushed to our limits and there yeah. could come a point where he says i'm done with this and i need to you know he identifies that maybe somebody within his close group is a russian plant that's there to kill him and we and, don't think russia could turn on putin where it's like it crumbles like that he thought he had control and everybody was just keeping up as ceausescu or whoever where it just collapsed at all at once or yeah, I don't like that. I don't see that because we've got these, you know, each each time Putin is getting questioned or comments are coming out, somebody ends up dying by jumping off the sixth story of a hospital. Um, I don't know too many people that do that who are in high leadership positions, but that yeah. happens. Somebody falls down the stairs. All these events happen as soon as people start speaking out against him. Um, and that does two things it eliminates the threat and it also eliminates further threats because that's on the back of everyone's mind if i try something he's going to kill me if we are on the cruise and nuclear bombs hit america we should stay on the cruise and just assume that our families are dead and just party on the you're you're safer in that little mexico city that is gonna chop you up with machetes. <laughs> you're, you're much safer there. I'll take a machete. Blend in with the cartel. Devin, you and your wife are gonna be on that boat. And what do you uh, do knowing that nuclear bombs have, like, I like mean, a nuclear well, bomb I, I hit Chicago, be, which is you know two or three hours from now? I would still have some hope. No, but I mean, I mean, would you get off the you'd get off the boat and go try to go home? I think right? I have to. 
to I mean, my kids, right? Yeah. But I mean, I guess I'd have there's to try. No, I don't know. But there's no flights home. There's no, yeah, there's mean, no cars to rent. You can do. I mean, is, is there a scenario where the cruise just keeps going? Yeah, that's what I was going, The bands just keep on playing until the alcohol runs out. And then, I don't know, after that, it's over. Yeah. Once, oh, then everybody kills each once other. Once the alcohol goes out, your all bets are off. If there's no flight, okay, we're on that boat, nuclear bombs hit, there's no flights, no rental cars, no, I mean, no travel, like, how long does it take you try to get a how long car does it and take you home, to, yeah but to, what do you do steal one or i mean well that's what i'm saying until it runs out of gas there might not be any gas i mean do you walk uh, across the yeah i mean how long does it take you to get home walking from mexico uh, first yeah. of all you gotta swim from the <laughs> yeah. boat to the shore and then well, no, maybe uh, the boat can at least get you oh, to yeah. the shore all right say you land back in california at the port or whatever long beach area how long does it take Devin and megan to get home and i guess i'll be with you i gotta go home too i, I mean i'd have to go yeah. try and See my kids. I, no, you might just be like, just let me know if they're okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll stay here, <laughs> hold down the fort. <laughs> well, that's no, but I mean, the, the kindness of others becomes very key in this whole yeah. scenario. And and if we are still in a society where we just hate each other for no reason, yeah. it becomes very difficult to help people out. May we ride horses? Horses across <laughs> the country? That would be amazing. I mean, like, should I own a gun, Curvin? Um, Do I need to buy some guns? I grew up around guns. I don't have anything against guns, but I've always been a little bit more scared of kids around guns. Yeah. than You know what I mean? Like, I don't care enough. So the, the way I view guns is a very destructive piece of equipment, but I have quite a few. Um, and I say everybody should have, have a weapon. Everybody should have something that, they, that will help them protect themselves from any anyone who's going to come in and try to do evil. And you can be... You can be very concerned that your kid is going to do something, but you've got to demystify the weapon. Um, you've got to got to be trained. You've got to go to the range and fire it. Um, you have to show a lot of times what happens with a kid is they're never able to handle the weapon. And so the first time they handle it, they mishandle it and they don't understand the power that it has. Um, but most people who go to a range on a, a weekly, monthly basis, whatever it is, that feels the force of that weapon and what it can do to somebody mm-hmm. is not the kind of person that is going to go to school and, and shoot things up. Or it's not the kind of person that's going to go into the safe, take the weapon out and want to play with it. Right. Right. Yeah, I guess I shot a gun pretty early. I mean, my you know, my dad let me shoot it squirrel or something like that so i mean i definitely was like yeah. whoa a shotgun blast your shoulder yes, southern guys have a very different view of weapons that's like part yeah. of our personality part of like the yeah. culture um we really, were yeah. I, fifth grade we had hunter's education where they brought shotguns into the classroom and you had to handle a shotgun and you had to go out and fire it um, so we were very keenly aware of the amount of power that it holds and what to do and what not to do in those situations. Yeah. Kervin, well, I know you got to go. Thank you for being on the show tonight, man. Yeah, hey, I appreciate it. This is thank so, you guys. We, we got to have you back. Definitely. Um, I'd lo- I'd love to come back. You guys are are super awesome. Um, thank you for everything. Um, I thank you for continuing to put out these episodes that that really get me through my day. Uh, love you guys. You too, man. Thanks. Thank All you. Right, we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. See you. All right. You want to uh, do a little damn news? 
Yeah, I'm gonna pee. Y'all can I mean, start. Is there, good, is there any good news? Yeah, I've got Bluetooth, so I'm gonna be peeing, but I'll okay. be listening to the news story. We're gonna be listening to you too. Bluetooth ain't gonna work if a nuclear war happens, Matt. Just yeah, so you're aware. Yeah. I mean, the nuclear war thing is going to. It's just okay. I, you know what I to meant to ask? Degree, it's I wanted to, to ask him. Uh, did he? Is there? Does he do other stuff? So like outside of just human, like is what about alien stuff? Has he ever got any like? Uh, yeah, I thought you know about I mean? that. I wish I'd have asked him. Like, because like, they say that alien activity happens frequently around nuclear. Yes. Yeah, they say after there's like something that. something crazy like a nuclear thing happens, the UFO sightings go way up. Right. So I mean, whether or not that's true or actually aliens or what it is, I mean, something is something it's probably I true. Know. I wonder. I guess I could look this up real quick. But um, does alien encounters? <laughs> go up after <laughs> nuclear or at nuclear sites or something why have there been so many ufo sightings near nuclear uh facilities wow that's the first thing that comes up do you think uh, aliens might just step in and go no like the bombs like the, shoot like out the, everybody the, thinks like we're the dead and, go, go, and they're coming across the ocean and they stop them and they just go and they just stop no them. no you will <laughs> not <laughs> And then we're like, I mean, oh, my God. Nothing would surprise me. Yeah, I, I, nothing, I wish nothing that I could still me. feel that I, that's anything's, that just anything's. Nothing's off yeah. the table. Nothing is off the damn table. Everybody knows I mean, that. it's just you could, because if it's, it could be a simulation, right? Like, I mean, if you just, like, it could be. Of course it's a simulation. I mean, it pro- probably, and, and there's a lot of low probability stuff, but. The older I get, I have to, like, I used to feel, and I think I do just automatically go, well, if something's 1% or less, I, you know, I'm just going to choose to not worry about it. But at some point, you know, a bunch of 1% stack up to something that, like, you know what I mean? I'm not saying it's a 1% chance we're in a simulation, but, you know, there's a lot of small chances that, that kind of can stack up to where you they're really nothing could surprise you not to mention i mean i've believed a million weird things in my life that i don't believe anymore and usually they're positive things that i believe like right like i'll use my imagination to believe wonderful possible things and sometimes they happen (laughs) but i don't spend a lot of time worrying about negative things that are low probability but that doesn't mean they wouldn't happen but then the real screwball stuff is very low probability can definitely is possible. Like the real screwball stuff. You're right. Like, oh, the simulation revealed itself or yeah. the any the aliens now are saying this to me. Or I personally have a revelation from God. I mean, whatever. It, all those yeah. things can happen. The next wife might be an alien. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what kind of You hope she is, probably. I mean, it sounds nice. Human sure didn't yeah. work out. Human. <laughs> me being a human has not worked out for me. It freaked me out. I saw this this week. We're talking about just crazy stuff. A global epidemic of cancer among people younger than 50 could be emerging. Oh, no. Nice. Talks about this lady who, uh, um, Lana or Ayana Dos Reyes Nunez was. Was 43 when she told her husband that she could feel something like a bubble in her abdomen as she lay on her side. An ultrasound found the spots on her liver, which led to blood tests and a colonoscopy. There's a tumor the size of her 
fist. Well, this is what's really crazy. She had a she had had a baby 15 months prior to her diagnosis, so she had a million blood tests and uh, care from doctors and sonograms. There was zero, no indication of anything, nothing whatsoever 15 months before. And now this is that cancer. A new review of can, uh, cancer registry records from 44 countries found that the incidence of early onset cancers is rising rapidly for colorectal and 13 other types of cancers, many of which affect the digestive system. And this increase is happening across many is that because of cell phones? Well, I, I would like to like know that. the rapid what it means Vaccine? by rising. I'd like to know the stat of r- what they're saying is rapidly rising. I mean, if we're our age, I mean, we've been handling these suckers for a little while now, right? I'm scared to death, I, mean, I got it. I don't know. I got. I, I haven't got a I colonoscopy. I got to get it. I got to get a colonoscopy. Got to get in my. I need them to get in my ass. What does it does it quote the ass. what's rising by how much over what time period? Um, it just says. The cancer said 44 countries found that the incidence of early onset cancers is rising rapidly. It just says rapidly. I don't, I don't, I don't buy no numbers and starting with a personal yeah, story true. of a lady kind of that tells about her weird feeling. <laughs> you know, that's what source are we listening to now? Snopes.com. No, what is this? <laughs> CNN.com. Yeah. Oh, CNN. Okay. Agino's. Review found that across the years of the study, the average yearly climb of colorectal cancer in young adults was about 2% in the U.S. 2% Australia, Canada, France, Japan. And then in U.K., it's almost 3%. In England, Scotland, Wales, in Korea, and Ecuador, it's roughly 5%. Year over year or or over multiple years? Yeah. This is per year. So 2% every year is going to be a big change in 10 years. Yeah. That's true. So, yeah. So that's what's, that's just like, well, I'm like, another shit. positive it thing. Matter. Just turn the lights off, Lord. Just turn them off. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's why, I mean, you Take can see break. why that, um, that's what Devin, we talked about it last week. The Southern Gospel yeah, song. Just like, yeah. well, you just, uh, take me on home, Lord. But uh, if you were 20, you home. would just not be, take, you wouldn't be choosing to consume this information and take it seriously. That's true. Not that there weren't dangerous things, or it must it, it. like yeah. you might have been in more danger when you were twenty for whatever reason, or maybe there's medicals better. Like overall, the chances of death. I mean, I don't know the the, the uh, more uh, you know life expectancy is going down a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah, it's going yeah. down, right? Yeah. I mean, when, it's going down again. It went up for a long time. I think life expectancy is somewhat down, at least you know. But there's lots of factors in that. But I think some right. there's some. It may have topped out and goes down a little bit in some developed countries. I'm going to bring the average. It might be going up in uh, still developing countries might be rising. But I think in developed countries, England and maybe here, I think like it or men in the U.S. It might be. I don't know. I'm making that up, but I think I heard that. Name one thing good. Name one thing that's good. Yeah. Curvin kind of didn't have much of the optimism. He's like, well, (laughs) people are helping each other every day at the soup kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) you know i think there's good in everybody (laughs) things will be okay um no well i don't know i don't know the good is the the good would have to be that we have we are you know have the likelihood of medical tech you know technologies that are going to be transformative 
but you know to have that right. that the destructive the new the technologies have a bad side too the ai and whatever but you know there could be some really yeah. transformative uh like okay the the i tell you what it is this is the right answer the right answer is that there probably will be a tremendous breakthroughs in mental health treatment with AI and psychedelics and new therapies and depression and neck, you know, negativity um, in the next couple of decades that would be help a lot of people. That's probably, that's no probably a good. It's over. I mean, it may be in five <laughs> years and less. I'm just saying like no, the war. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think there, there will be a lot of positive stuff for people. Like what you were looking for is for humanity to, Y- y'all will just not. Toby will not accept this. But accept what we're looking for is a, a wave of humanity to, um, like get a fresh perspective on itself and see it as a whole global population that becomes more positive and work together and heal a lot of stuff like yeah you know, that's the like the people do. that would say if you gave the whole everybody in the world mushrooms <laughs> at once it would get better like that's a, that's not a real thing but the idea that you could transform people's the average person's psyche into a positive yeah. thing with technologies and therapies and and you know stuff like that that you could tip it all positive you know love and stuff like they're the hippiness of stuff like that, that that that's not out of the question that the human race can't improve itself somehow because it's gotten we care about stuff more than in the past i mean there's a trajectory of that to yeah. some degree if we can get past this next bottleneck into transformative our species being transformed or something like that's um, possible yeah we were talking but, about life expectancy I and i was thinking you know, if I'd have lived in a different time, I'm 46. If I'd lived in a different time, I would have been considered like a 96 year old. Today we think a 96 year old. You know yep. what I mean? But like, and I started looking it up on Wikipedia. So like Paleolithic people lived between 22 and 33 years. Is basically what they did, and they said uh, it's estimated that at 15, if you made it to 15 years old, life expectancy expectancy was an additional 39 years. So you could live up to 54, age 54. Because most of it was children yeah. dying. Right. And the same way with like uh, like in uh, Roman times. Um, let me see. Classic Rome. If you made it to 20, you could expect to live about 30 more years. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It was just, I mean, but if you didn't, I mean, so that means if you they died a lot because the life expectancy average was 20 to 33 in Rome. So that's what well, that means that, that, yeah, but lots of two year olds and one year olds right. and five yeah. year olds. If you were a kid, you died. was dying mostly. But, um, early modern England, uh, was 33 to 40. And I was just thinking, man, it, you know, the way I look at it is, oh, man, I might not live much longer. Oh no, uh, man, I could live to 96, but I probably won't. Or, you know, I have that fear. But if I was living in these times, I would think, man, I have, what a long life. What a full life. I'm one of the oldest people around. You know, but because of the time I live, I think, oh, man, I, I need 20 or 30 more years. But if, if I lived in a different time, I would have been like, oh, man, I made it. It's so cool. The, I mean, the, the, yeah. the predictions are a lot of people our kids' age and younger will just easily live over. I mean, if the world was yeah. stable, you know, we'll live over 100 and 150 and stuff. For sure. That's great. Yeah. 
So that'll be weird. Yeah. That's kind of weird because we, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. I don't feel that way. No. I don't have any thoughts of me living a hundred. I don't think I don't we're gonna think hitch that, to that at wagon. all. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I don't have that. Thought. I, I, don't think I, we're gonna, I think we're gonna miss that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> we're almost there, but not quite. Yeah. But do you think your kids could live to be a hundred? Maybe and ha- and yeah. live in a really yeah. nice stable society of oh, peace. Yeah. Like, is that yeah. not possible? Probably. Maybe, but I mean, I don't know. Or they yeah. live through the civilizational reset, or don't. Yeah, live through. It, there it. probably is going to be some civilizational reset, no matter what. I don't know if it'll be like actually nuclear war, or, or everybody has to start back over and don't even know how to make computers or something. It probably won't be that drastic or crazy, but there is going to be some reset. Like America's I think it's probably not, mostly I mean, technology and all this war stuff will be a thing of the past. And I'm, I mean, I, I guess I think with no argument, I'm just saying, yeah, crazy volatility and wars and nukes yeah. and famines and um, pandemics for the next several decades of just tumultuous stuff. Yeah. But, and then something, then it just gets so crazy that there's the, once the big machine merge and singularity happen and humans have become domesticated, merged with machines and some unrecognizable yeah. future will occur. That it's hard to say whether that's good or bad. Yeah. Right. That's what I think is going to happen. I don't, and I we'll kind of miss that boat or not quite understand Probably. that boat. In any kind of global event, you're dead, Matt. Devin and I that's probably fine. are in the, the safest place. Yeah. To stay alive. Yeah, y'all probably in a pretty good spot. <laughs> Won't everybody come here? Yeah. That's the only thing. Like well, everybody the people will move from Chicago in. will head that direction. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. That, they'll head that direction pretty There'll be several million people heading your direction pretty quickly. <laughs> if, <laughs> Ooh, we should we should coordinate it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to I'm gonna submit this to our uh, town council that if a global disaster occurs, everybody in the town has to hide. Mm-hmm. hide and seek drills until so yeah until the people just pass on through nothing yeah. nothing to see here you have to make, make it, it look, look like, like your town was already ransacked bad, like abandoned yeah, or yeah. Something. <laughs> we all come out like yeah i mean those preppers if shit hits the fan have to on some level feel really good right like that they they they, oh, they nailed it or something like if they really did have a bunker or a you know a homestead place out in the middle of nowhere like, like I was thinking, like uh, your father-in-law's farm. I was like, if there was a killer fence around that thing, it would be. It's because it's in the middle of nowhere. No one's going out there. I mean, you know what I mean. Right. They're not. They're, you're not going to really find a lot of. I mean, there's maybe some corn in season or something, but for the most part, you're not really going out there uh, to live or anything. Yeah. I mean, you could you could survive out there. Take your family and just yeah. you know, if you have a really killer fence, like even a zombie apocalypse, or something, you could really make it out there for a while but yeah the quality while, of life sure. would be just so bad and so scary i just don't even know like i guess the truth is if there's going to be a nuclear bomb war i hope i'm in the blast zone and just am gone i don't know yeah. about trying to keep alive it's gonna work you out know that good. i i re- saw an article that said the there's a that the nuclear winter Thing. Like, let's say there was a thousand nuclears exchanged all over yeah. the world and Europe and everything. So it's like the population, whatever. But like all the urban centers are wiped out. But there's still, you know, millions or billions of humans that just live. But 
there's no more society network or whatever, but or there is or, or they okay, they said in the Black Plague that like they lost whatever sixty or seventy percent of the population of the world went away. Right. Yeah. So That's and ev- but the courts and the paperwork records they all kept going. Like there's court right. records throughout the whole time. Yeah. Like it it's can stayed functional. And most everybody died. And it function I mean, because it still functioned because it's so people that are, are they gotta get on with stuff, so they do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So even during that, it, there's a paper trail of well, they were doing this and the courts this and the documents this and the you know, it was just they went right through that. And a lot of people didn't make it. So that's kind of encouraging in a way. And also, they say, well, the nuclear thing's scary because everybody says, well, it would just be the climate. It would be global famine or blah, 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 like that kind of thing. But they said that the amount of food that the U.S. has in grain and reserves and all that stuff is just, you you can't not imagine how many how much that is like if you just had to eat to live it was just rationed out it we can feed ourselves for many years to rebuild society like years and years we could feed ourselves with grains and stuff to rebuild society do you know what i mean like it it, is you know it's not i mean if you could if it could function at all and stuff like that so they say some of the nuclear stuff might be what they have in the territory of something they call the noble lie like we so badly don't want to have that happen that they it might be overhyped how bad it would really be. Does that make sense? Mm. Like everybody needs to yeah. really think that it would be the end of the world if we had nuclear exchange. Like that's the way it's talked about. And that's useful because hopefully it'll help us not do it. Yeah. But it might not really be that. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It sounds like a taboo for me to say it wouldn't be that bad. Yeah. Or or you we can make it through or whatever. You're supposed to say, well, there'd be nuclear winter and there'd be a global famine. But I mean, millions and billions would die. But it 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 also would continue. Yeah. 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 And it just it just I don't know. So it I don't know. But well, a glimmer of yeah. hope. Yeah, there's a glimmer. <laughs> there's a glimmer. Uh, all right. So my news story here it comes from uh, ign.com. Jason Voorhees actor Ted White dies. He's 96 years old. Wow. Now, this is what was interesting. It says White played Voorhees in the franchise's fourth installment. I think he actually played in the third installment. Now, yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, Ted White. Oh, no. So he wasn't. Sorry. I apologize. He was only in it from four on, I guess. After Ted White died, aged 96 years old, according to horror historian, uh, he died peacefully um, with his family. He just passed away peacefully in his sleep. Nice Halloween story. Um, she goes on to say he had the pleasure of knowing him immensely. Bothered. But here's what I didn't realize. You know that the the uh, hockey mask didn't show up until part three. Isn't that crazy? Because the first one is the, the mom or whatever, and then little Jason or something jumps out of the water at the end or something, you know? And then the second one yeah. um, was played by Jason's unmasked visage. You know, he, he was unmasked. And then they suited up for Friday the 13th, part three. And that's when he first obtained his iconic hockey mask. And then I guess this guy, Ted White. I can't remember. Was the big, tall guy. Yeah. I just can't remember. the. Urban. I get the Friday the 13th one and Rocky one. Kevin confused. Bacon was in the first one. 
Yeah, yeah, those, yeah, those two are hard. Those easily are confusing. Those <laughs> are confusing. Those was, those were scary. Yeah. I mean, I was Jason. I mean, yeah. Freddy was scary. What was the scariest movie y'all saw when you were? You I believe Freddy. that Freddy Krueger yeah. is the scariest of that yeah. crop. Right, it, it's your you dream it happens. And, yeah, and, and it's like kids' right. dreams. You, yeah. are, that's that's pretty invasive. Yeah. I mean that one. T- fiction. I, was, I remember. I my dad and my brother Plus Warren. His face and fingers. I mean that's the scary. Um, I don't remember how old I was. I was probably ten. But they watched the movie oh, called Salem's so Lot. That's scary. Yeah, and like a real yes. crazy looking vampire guy. And we they watched it one night, and I was there. I mean, what I don't know. And I just saw it, and I was yeah. like, "This is scary." I used to get <laughs> so scared scary. by TV and, commercials for TV shows that would come on at 10 p.m. Uh, that were on yeah. CBS. Yeah, but my terrifying. three-year-old is not scared of any season of Stranger Things. Just nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what yeah, that means. my kids you know? either. Well, I remember my my dad, after we watched Salem's Lot, my dad asked, said, all right, Warren. It, Warren was probably, I don't know, this is an upper teenager. He's, he said, I'll give you 20 bucks to go around the house right now. It was dark outside. He was like, no way. No chance I'm going outside. Bridget was traumatized by being forced, like her uncles, you know, showed her poultry guys oh, when she was, was real scary. little. And she she seems to, to like, like she talks about it, but if I probe into a little bit, I think it was bad for her. <laughs> like she says, it was, you know, if you ask, you know, I, I you can tell that it was, you know, it, it, was, it was a big effect. Like, if you can, I guess you can horrify a kid in a way that yeah. can be. I mean, I don't know what the difference if it's just because I'm saying my kids watch Stranger Things, but for some reason it didn't affect it. I was careful with them, and that it seemed fine. I know it's fine. I don't know why yeah. though. Like, it, is it about yeah. the? Con- I mean, I don't know what the context is, or how, I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe it's a sense of comfort in the yeah, home. I don't know. You know, like or I don't know. Or how the adults that are, re- watch it with you or react to it or talk about it. I don't really, I don't I don't know. like can't them. Just, uh, I don't like them anymore. I used to like them okay, but I don't really like them as much anymore. I can watch, I can watch ones like The yeah. Black Phone. That wasn't right. like Yeah, terrifying. I don't like them either. It was, but, and then, anymore. I, but like I'll see a uh, preview of like the invitation yeah. or something like crazy and yeah I'm i don't like, want to watch any more scary movies i don't guess it's like just, i just don't need to anymore <laughs> does that mean i'm scared why did I, did I become scared of them because i ne- i mean when i was real little right. i was scared and then when i was a teenager in my 20s i would say i would say i, I watch any movie that could exist what, yeah. what how's why could a mo- if it's a movie why would i told y'all the one that really put me over the but top. now i don't Remember want we i just don't have tour. an appetite for that I don't remember when it was. We were going on tour the next day, I think, and I saw Exorcism oh, yeah. of Emily Rose. Where she turns upside down and walks around. And that was, I had yeah, to drop, that was scary. I had to drop Matt yeah. and Toby off or something at y'all's house or something like that, and I went back to my sister's house, and I dreamed a scene of the movie that night yeah. happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> the scene of the movie happened to me that night in my dream, and I that was it. I was like, I'm not watching. Yeah. I can't watch. I, I think I told y'all this before. The same thing it, happened to pretty, me. I watched this movie that if you, if you saw it now, you would not think it, it you probably die laughing at how bad it was. It was about a yeah, uh, vampire yeah. getting shipped. He got shipped in a crate from like Transylvania or something. And then they open the crate and then he starts wreaking havoc in this American town he's in. Right. And it scared me 
but it was it had to be super yeah. cheesy, but it was scared me. And I had a dream about it, the crate and everything. And I opened my eyes and I saw the crate. Like, you know, I was half asleep, half awake. It was almost like a mirage where I saw the crate and I was super scared. And I was like, I have to go get my mom and dad. I have to. So I got up, I walked and went down to the end of the steps. And in my mind, I thought the vampire's around the corner. He's right there. And I can't get to mom and dad's room because I have to go around the corner here and, and across the living room to get to their bedroom. And I was so certain that the vampire was there that I laid at the bottom of the steps and pretended to be dead for about five minutes. I laid there. <laughs> I laid down on the ground. Cause I was like, he'll think he already got me or something like in my kid brain. I, you know what I mean? I just thought, Oh, but the vampire yeah. will, will come. He'll go up the steps. I'll run to the, my, you know, my brother's up there. He's dead, but I'm going to go save mom and dad. And I, but I, if I lay here and pretend, and you know, just, I was kind of out of it. And, you know, I think I had a lot of crazy dreams too, because we didn't have air condition and it was so hot. And that night I'll oh. specifically remember this. And this is probably why I had the dream. I was probably really was hallucinating. I was so scared as a vampire. that If I put the covers all the way up to my neck, I could cover my neck. Cause that's the only place they bite you, you know, your neck, but it was, it was like July. Yeah. So it was yeah. like a hundred degrees. There was a fan, but, but you know, it was so hot with blankets on you in the middle of the summer with no air conditioning, even with a fan, yeah. you know, it's not that cool of air. <laughs> I've been having insane dreams. Like, I guess it's like they say, like the, probably the cannabis suppresses dreams. So I hadn't, you know, for last two and a half weeks or whatever, but I have crazy. I mean, I definitely have more dreams Man. not using weed. Yeah. Like definitely have more. I mean, that I remember I was like gonna all tell the y'all, time. I was going to tell y'all about one of my dreams real quick. This is kind of cool. So I had a dream. You know, it's it's a little vague. You're at, I was at some weird kind of house or whatever. It was, you know, whatever. And there was a few different rooms. And I don't think it was Megan, but there was a woman there and then Sandra Bullock. Nice. Oh, yeah. So it was Sandra Love Bullock. Her somebody else that wasn't Megan or wasn't my wife. It was like somebody I knew, yeah. but I, there was no face really. You know what I'm talking about? You can't remember exactly what it was sort of thing. It was vague. So anyway, I, Sandra Bullock and I are connected. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the dream. Like there's oh, some, there's some, nice. what era Sandra Bullock? She's still fine. Good looking she, Sandra yeah, Bullock. She speed. I mean, probably, uh, Probably Demolition 10 years man, younger, or... 15 years younger, you know? Mm-hmm. Ooh, speed, yeah. we're talking. Not quite uh, speed, yeah. but somewhere mid-range. Yep. The net. That's a good The era. net. <laughs> but anyway, we're feeling the sexual. <laughs> the net. That's a little older. Uh-huh. Uh, so we're feeling the sexual tension. And I'm like, okay, something's about to happen in this dream. You know, I'm, I know what's about to happen. But something happens with the other ladies there, and it totally breaks the the situation and so i'm like dang it because i was excited about it in my dream because i knew it was sandra bullock and i knew you know what i mean and so for some reason i woke up it was about 5 45 after that happened and i was so disappointed (laughs) awake i was so disappointed and i was like i'm going back i am going i am gonna get back yeah you can definitely can happen i made it back and then I was able to change Man. what happened. Yeah. In my You're dream. Supposed to, I mean, it's possible. It almost rewound. Yeah. I don't 
physically remember like a rewinding, but I remember being back in the same scenario. Mm-hmm. And it was like almost like a deja vu. And a different thing happened. Like the lady left and it was just me and Sandra. And we, it started happening. Did it happen? Well, it didn't fully happen because it was like six and my kids woke up. But there was a, a stretch there that it was happening. So I was still a little disappointed that it didn't get fully occur. But it, I was able to go yeah. in and change that. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. And if, they, if it had I mean, been 3.30 in the morning, you'd have just wet dreamed mm-hmm. all over the oh. place. Everywhere. Oh, all <laughs> over the place. You said 5.45. Yeah, I got like 15 minutes. War we get, I, I went back in hard. <laughs> all right. I got a little bit more news for you. Um, I got oh. a Tim Lambesis right. one, but I don't know if I even want to talk about it. Well, it just says, He's Tim, uh, as I lay dying, Tim Lambesis opens up about his mindset in hiring hitman to kill his wife. And he just says, uh, I don't know. He's talking about like the steroids and stuff he was doing. Maybe he said that in the beginning. Uh, let's see. When I was arrested, I'd come off testosterone based steroids. My hormone levels were really unbalanced and your body naturally produces a decent level of testosterone and keeps your estrogen levels under that. If you're a guy, when you take testosterone, it elevates your level to 10 times higher than what your body is normally doing. And, and he, uh, he says he blames that, but also takes blame for his own actions. Um, it's crazy too, because he said, uh, upon his release, he, he did offer an apology to his family and he became an addiction treatment counselor and he remarried twice. We talked about that on the podcast, but, uh, he, I didn't think about this, but he's not allowed to see his kids. I don't think at all. Like they, him and his first wife that he tried to kill. Oh. He, you know, he's not allowed to see them. And I was like, man, that's really why and he probably never will be. And, and wow. I was thinking about just her mentality of like, some, my husband tried to kill me. He was going to have me killed. And do you think on some level is Tim totally happy with the way everything turned out? Or what if he would have been successful and no one knew? You know what I mean? Like on on some level, I wonder if that ever crosses his mind or like you know I I don't know. I'm, I'm that's this isn't no I'm not saying. I, like I think if now he he's pulled very it happy off. that she wasn't injured and you know thank God. But in that moment, yeah. you know, but in that moment he, he probably saw as soon as she, yeah. if if she's gone, my life will turn do this 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 and this. But I have to get her out of the way or something. That. but you know now obviously he sees the bigger picture but it's yeah i mean he has to be happier i think because he you probably yeah. kind of realize yeah the weight carrying that, that weight would have actually have somebody killed would have been. been something different I mean, about that would have been insane so anyway yeah. just a little reminder of him and then uh i saw this article i know you all probably don't know this guy but mccabin uh is or mckeeben 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 a uh, Haitian singer who inspired a generation dies on stage in Paris. It caught my eye because I was thinking, oh, he's playing. He's a musical prodigy and Haitian icon. He's 41 years old. He collapsed while trying to walk off stage. He, he survived by his pregnant wife. It's really sad. Um, but I was just thinking, man, this is so crazy because he was, you know, doing what he loves and he's performing and he died there. I do think that it seems ridiculous to say if you die doing what you love that that is somehow anything. That seems well, it's better ridiculous. than dying doing what you hate. 
like the last, you don't, you don't want your last memories to be, Oh God, this sucks so bad. Lord kill me. And then you do die. Like, you don't, you know what I mean? Like you actually it'd be better if you were doing something fun. Well, I mean, ultimately I do think it sounds not that bad of a way to go. But I mean, if you were like doing something you kind of liked and dropped dead or died in your sleep or died while you were rock climbing, cause you love rock climbing. I don't yeah. see what the difference is in those, but Dying on stage, you probably would never, um, you would probably not ever think about it that bad. Like, you probably would, you probably would think, I gotta go sign some autographs. I need to go rest. Like, you probably would, you would be at least in a mental state where you wouldn't ever really have to confront it. Like, you would just be in your zone and then be gone. So on some level, that's better. Um, and it's, seen, it's yeah. a cooler story. But I, uh, you know? So it made me think, who else has died on stage that you might know? Who who do you think of first that, you, yep. Dimebag. Yeah, he's the main one. And he died by mm-hmm. being shot. I mean, that's Yeah, that's bad. That's terrible. There has to have been maybe. Is yeah, else? a 25-year-old ex-Marine named Nathan Gales. Uh, it says sneaked into the club. I would have thought it was snuck into the club, but I guess maybe sneaked into the club. Yeah, I don't understand that. You uh, hear that word sneaked. And it seems it's yeah, supposed to be right, but I don't understand I think why. It should be snuck. Uh, into the club with a gun and made his way onto stage, opening fire on Abbott just about 90 seconds into damage plan set. Abbott, uh, 38, died that night, and so did three other people at the concert. So he got in there with a gun and just started shooting insane um nick menza who was megadeth's drummer um it was during a gig with ohem on may 2016 that menza's heart gave out the 51 year old so he's 51 years old but still i mean only 51 that's not i'm very close to 51 uh collapsed on stage (laughs) during the third song of the band set uh and then he's pronounced dead at arrival at the hospital um there's wow. some of here. Some of these are really interesting. I'm gonna skip. Hold on, I'll skip a couple because one of them I thought was okay. This guy I recognize him. If if y'all saw his face, you'd recognize him. But he's a comedian. He's comedian Dick Sean. He put together a full evening of entertainment for an audience of 500 or so people that paid to see him perform at UC San Diego on in April 1987. First, he did a sketch where he played a disembodied head on a dinner table. Then he comically danced out of time to some music. Next, Sean launched into a routine about the end of the world, during which he lay down on the stage and stayed completely still. The audience thought it was part of the bit that Sean was pretending to be dead. He was dead. The end of the world is about people being dead, after all. But uh, Tom Wardle, a guy in the audience, said there were comments from the audience like, take his wallet, ha, 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 it's all, it's all blended in very well, or something like that. And then it says, but after about five minutes, everybody's just sitting there, and in five minutes, he's not moving. Uh, heckles became laughter and, and laughter pretty much stopped at that point at then. And then a doctor rushed on the stage, tried to find the pulse and couldn't, he was dead. I was like, good Lord. And then, uh, the wrestler Owen Hart, you y'all know how he died. No, was that the helicopter? It was, it was a really popular. Wasn't there a wrestler? No, that it was fell from the helicopter. Yes. Yeah. Stunt from the roof. Yep. Yeah. The roof um, one. Yeah. Not helicopter. But so he was yeah. under the guy. He was lowered from the rafters into the ring via an elaborate wire system, but the rigging tragically malfunctioned, sending him 
plunging 78 feet and he fell onto the top rope and the announcer um jim ross you know jim ross he's the you know he's done a bunch of them horrifyingly had to tell the crowd that it was not scripted or a stunt or fake in any way it's hard to explain that wrestling too i was like oh my god then uh the musician tiny tim which i didn't know this uh you remember him what was his song he sang like these you know is kind of goofy or whatever um tiptoe to the tulips that was his big song it got to number 17 on the billboards in 1968 um let's see he died as he lived entertaining others on november 30th 1996 tim tiny tim played a benefit show for the women's club in minneapolis while singing tiptoe to the tulips with me he abruptly stopped playing then told his wife susan who was there um uh, he didn't feel well, and the 64-year-old performer collapsed, dying a few hours later at the Minneapolis hospital. So, I mean, there's been a lot. I'm looking through a lot of these. A lot of musicians, for the most part, they're the ones that are usually on stage. But, I mean, it's wild. Like, all all these people are just, I mean, it's weird, like, because you are watching it, and then it's over, right? The show's over and everything. Like, you paid good money to go see this Broadway show, and somebody drops dead there. <laughs> Do they give you a refund? Do you go back because you wanted to see it? The the play, you know what I mean? Like, what do you do? Is, is that just, well, I won't ever see that. Like if you yeah. paid good money to go see Hamilton and one of the singers dropped dead right there, they obviously don't go on with the show. The show must not go on in those, that instant. And then you just, you never get to see the rest of Hamilton. Right. And you, you'd be guilty. You feel really guilty if you were like, did I get a refund? You don't get a refund on your two hundred dollar ticket. (laughs) Maybe Uh, that costs more than two hundred fucking dollars. They, but it started at two thousand dollars probably. They might say, you know, we'll we'll contact you and you know something like you get a ticket to a later showing or something. But that's crazy. Discount. Well, yeah. You were thinking how about that one you uh, said a while ago? That's not a the do, do, what refund situation do they get in that theater where they shot where that John Wilkes Booth shot Lincoln yeah. uh, at watching uh, <laughs> the, my American cousin? Do you get a refund on that? Uh, no, you don't. <laughs> Definitely not. I don't know if that's what it was. Something like that. Uh, I mean, what was the word a while ago that you said is not a sneak, should sneaked. be a word? Sorry. Yeah. Sneak it's just a little obnoxious. It's not a works. So, well, here's what I was thinking about. You you say you got a leak, and it leaked. It looked. You it don't look say out onto the floor. It looked everywhere. All in it. <laughs> My drink. And then looked. another one's. <laughs> and then another one is um, peak. Yeah. That's you don't true. say puck. <laughs> Snuck. You, you know you there. snuck those Skittles. You know you did. Well, I say snuck. I don't say I sneaked you, in the Skittles. Who says you that? Snuck in, you snuck in there, didn't you? Yeah. Snuck in his bedroom and got those Skittles. So this is sneak. Sneak. You're not supposed to. Is the past tense of sneak when the verb is treated like a regular verb. Nah, get out of here. I don't listen to any snuck rules that are that complicated about language. When the verb is treated like an irregular verb. What in the hell is an irregular no, or a regular so verb? I don't take. Mm-mm. 
So there is a legal use. I don't even know the rules about eyes after E's because they don't seem right. And I can't spell the word peace still. I never well, I'm gonna have start been able to spell a peace. I'm going to start using yeah. the word feek. Yeah. Feeked. For, for. And fuck. <laughs> so, I, yeah, we, we feeked. Hey, we didn't hey, fuck. We feeked. feeked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's end it.